Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode. Today's guests are Nico and Paul, who are the founders of Home Fragrance Brand and All Things Home and Chic. Earl of East. From candles, incense, and candle making workshops, Earl of East was founded in 2014, which started out as a shared passion, which has ultimately grown into a flourishing business with over 230 stockists worldwide. Is that true? Yeah. They say that's true. Um, And a recently launched book called The Scented Candle Workshop. I'm going to talk to Nico and Paul all about why they started this business. And many more things. And I can already tell this is going to be a fun one. Hello. (laughs) Hey, hello. (laughs) Welcome to my dining room table. I basically want to give a little bit of background. And for those people listening, they might even know that I did a candle making course with you guys, which we tried to arrange for months and months and months and months with Sarah, Mm -hmm. who I actually used to kind of work with because she used to work at Storm, which was my old agency. Yeah. A little bit of background there. And Sarah emailed me and was like, do you want to come for this candle making thing? And I was like, I've been wanting to do this for so, so long um, because I knew about you guys. But then I ended up doing a workshop at Kana, which is upstairs. It's a pottery um, studio, which I should have her on the show as well. Yeah, you should. Um, So anyway, eventually I did come to the candle making workshop and had an amazing time. And I brought two friends and they loved it. That's good to hear. And the candle is in my bathroom. I think I called it alone in my bathtub or something like that. Because I'm like literally always alone in my tub, like questioning my life. And um, yeah, had a great time. So I just... before I get into the candle making workshop and all of those things, I just want you guys to tell everyone a little bit of background about who you are as individuals. I re- when I have two guests, I'm always like, let's talk about you both individually and then let's talk about how you came together. Who wants to go first? Paul is going to start. Paul is uh, going to start. He does this to me every time. <laughs> um, individuals. Okay, so I've been in London for 11 years now, um, of which we've been together as a couple for nearly eight. I mean, I have to say, this is the hottest couple I've ever looked at. I mean, it's just so much handsomeness. I'm like, guys, I'm being very creepy right now, but you must get this a lot. Oh, Uh, my God. I don't know. I think we both look broken all the time. No, gorgeous couple couple alert. Um, But yeah, so we, um, I moved to London after uni. Um, I studied up in Northumbria, did a marketing degree, stayed for a couple of years thinking I was going to like live in the northeast and then realized there wasn't really any jobs so I came down here and started working in broadcast I worked for a radio station and then have been in kind of digital media and advertising up until two months ago um up until two months ago yeah so um I kind of kept doing both until it got to a point where it was literally impossible um and then yeah we met eight years ago um in london fields um really close to where we have our shop and that's probably a a nice intro where in london fields did you meet and how let's Uh, talk please like the love story i need to know uh, i think in what's what we used to refer to as the fashion triangle you know the part of the park where um it's only early march and you've already got people barbecuing and wearing bikinis that that area that's a beautiful as well you were not i wasn't wearing a bikini or barbecuing (laughs) (laughs) i quite like the attitude (laughs) it is a good visual yeah that's exactly how we meant no um and yeah we just basically met in the park um and then arranged to meet and go on a date and then that didn't really materialize because Nico's friend was moving back to Germany and so he cancelled on me and then I thought we would never see each other again and was kind of like okay that is what it is and then uh you another one of my friends was moving to East London and before he uh, made the move from west to east he started following all of those east and blogs and and um I don't know, magazines and whatnot. And Paul had just started Earl of East as a Tumblr blog. 
And he oh. was like, oh my God, look what I've started following. I was like, wow, that's creepy. That's the dude who that's I was That's that hot dude to, I saw at the park. Yeah, who I was supposed to meet. Um, and then I just got in touch again and I was like, all right, let's do this tomorrow. Um, so we met the next day and we've been together since then. Oh, yeah. so that actually is kind of a sign from the universe if you believe in those. 100%, yeah. Because, yeah. I mean, even the day after, we were like, all right, had the first date, see you later. And then we both went our ways. Um, I think it was the Easter bank holiday. And we bumped into another in a Tesco, which wasn't our local Tesco's either. And that was creepy. I was like, fuck, I was still wearing the same outfit as well. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> Nico is quite a difficult first date. He basically wouldn't speak. So okay. we he also didn't bring his glasses, so he couldn't really see me, which I think might have been a good thing. What, like time. on purpose? You didn't <laughs> no, bring your glasses? No, because I just wanted to look more handsome. Yeah. <laughs> your glasses are such a part of you, though. Yeah, yeah, but back then they weren't. Right. Yeah, and we went to Old Press on Redchurch Street. Classic. And I went and ordered coffee, day-day, um, and came back with biscuits, to which Nico said he didn't eat biscuits. I mean, looking he at the size of me, he definitely does love all snacks. And in the end, I was just like, he's too hot to like just walk away from this. So I dragged him around Shoreditch until we started speaking about our grandparents. And that was kind of weirdly where we connected. And then, yeah, ended up being pretty much inseparable ever since. Mm -hmm. I think there's been very few days that we've actually been apart. Oh so. my God, I'm literally going to cry. I <laughs> live for this shit. I really, really do. It's funny though. I was on a date the other day and um, we started talking about our grandparents and it's funny how quickly that can get emotional mm -hmm. and really create a connection between mm -hmm. two people. Yeah. Um, I don't want to talk too much about grandparents, but I, I love my grandparents. I grew up with them. I, they lived in our house all growing up. And I think there were some embarrassing moments, you know, growing up as a teenager. And it's like, my grandparents are always around. But actually, it's like the best thing yeah, to have a so relationship with yeah. your grandparents. Yeah. Okay, so you had a date and then that, that, the rest is history. Yeah. Basically. Yeah. That's amazing. Okay, so your turn now. Nico. Oh, yeah. Um, well, I moved over here 10 years ago, 9, 10 years ago now. I came over to do my master's degree and um, media and communications at Goldsmiths. Um, but I think the minute I arrived, because back home in Germany, my family is Greek. Um, and what I noticed with my family was that every, you know, they grew up with that, with that sense that every, every next July, they would be moving back to Greece. And I was like, mom, that doesn't make sense. You've never lived there. So moving back is already the wrong terminology to use. Um, <laughs> But then I, I arrived and I was like, all right, if I give it a deadline, I will never really root and arrive. So I, I didn't even think about the expiry date of London. And I just arrived, did my master's and then um, found a job, um, met Paul and stayed. Yeah. I mean, one thing that I loved so much when I did the candle making workshop was the way you spoke about London and how it was such a crucial part of your business mm -hmm. and how you started in the market, you mm -hmm. know, the London, you know, near London Fields. London Fields is like the area. Yeah. I love London Fields too. Um, I'm actually going to go to Nettle Market on Saturday, I think. You need, you yeah, you need to go to our friend's shop, which is in our original shipping container. It's Ooh. called brother london and it's all kind of uh, 90s vintage but really cool really cool yeah and okay. they've really transformed the space that was our first little shop into like this it's almost like an archive of like the best things from the 90s you know like yeah just yeah you need to go and check okay, it out. okay i will definitely check yeah. that out i've got nothing to do on saturday and i thought that could be a good mood just to like go over there it's nice yeah because it's also nice and quirky, so you, yes. you kind of lift the mood instantly. Yes. You're like, what am I just looking at? I don't get it, but it's fun. <laughs> Is it a really touristy market, would you say? I think, you know, the reason why we started over at Nettle Market was because we always used to go as locals. We used to live in the neighborhood, um... And what we loved about it is that it never got as busy as Broadway Market gets. Yes. And um, because of where it is, because of it being behind a brick wall, didn't used to get that um, busy. But then we, I think Sarah, who um, used to be the market manager, who now works with, with Earl of East, um, she did some pretty amazing things for the market. It's where Bredos Taco started, Bao Buns, um, Lucky Chip. And then she got us like into the New York Times and so on. And suddenly you saw more and more, you know, it felt like buses would arrive, <laughs> drop the tourists off, right. leave them for an hour and then come pick them back up again. Um, but I think these days it's quite 
busy again. I don't know. I don't have much spare time, unfortunately, <laughs> to go and, and uh, drop in. But I think it is busy yeah. from what I hear. Yeah. It's a really um, special place. It couldn't be any more ramshackle, but I think that's part of its yeah. beauty. And when you, from an outsider, I think you arrive and all the different sheds and shacks just really pull you in. Yeah. And and there's some really unique characters there, some which were there when we were and, and, and others that I knew, but it has this sensibility. And I think there's like a, an energy to that space in, in that, yeah, for us, I, I suppose that was the first before starting we booked our first market stall there it was like there was already some kind of sense of belonging it was our place and yeah. it was a little bit off the beaten track and um yeah and it's still like that today I think for a lot of the people including Anna from Karna it's the market where she started too yeah. and, and and I think there's a huge group of people who've gone on to do some pretty cool things so like most of them actually and and there was definitely something about that place at that time for us but knowing our friend who's there now, there's something Still at that there. place at that time for her. Yeah. yeah. So there's an energy there, I think. I think um, when I first moved to London, one way that I really got to know the city, which I didn't even realize at the time was what I was doing, but I did like so many markets and so many car boot sales. Seriously, it was my obsession. Like five o'clock in the morning, I was at a new car boot sale. Mm. I have been to every car boot sale in this area, <laughs> in this city. And just that early morning culture and market stall, you know, culture and the bargaining and that is so London. Yeah. Um, and as well, you know, I like you guys, I'm sure have done a lot of traveling and seen different, you know, stores and what's, ha you know, what's really exciting in L.A. and what's really exciting in New York. Yeah. But I think London, especially right now, there's something really special happening and there's so many cool startup companies here yeah. and and you know, just the whole feeling of that handmade sort of item is really coming back. I yeah, think. I, I think startup here is different to startup in the US mm -hmm. or, or North America, I think, um, for a lot of reasons. If you're launching a product, yeah, there's the direct to consumer route, but I even feel like that is something that's more tried and tested in the US mm -hmm. than it is in Europe because the consumer is so different. So take Europe, it's the size of North America, but actually it's lots of different cultures. Yes. Take, you know, going into wholesale um, as a business, there isn't many retailers that are gonna have hundreds of outlets that you can work with in the UK or even across Europe. So it's quite different, I think. And I think a lot of, the exciting food startups or businesses use that market route here because it's a way to really like test the market, do yes. your market research. And I, I don't know if that exists in the same way in, US, in the US, whereas craft I think is, is, you know, rooted in culture there in a way it's probably been a little bit lost here. I think there is this, this movement, which is pretty cool. So, you met, you fell in love, all that stuff. How did Earl of East really come? Because you had the blog, you had a Tumblr, Tumblr blog, by the way. I was a huge, I was an OG Tumblr, Tumblrer. <laughs> I was big into it. Um, so, uh, so, Paul basically set up this Tumblr, right? Because um, he had left his job. Um, and just as a way to, to stay in touch with his colleagues slash friends, um, the name Earl of East used to be Paul's nickname because he always tried to convince people to move to East London. So they started calling him the Earl of East. So having left the job, the, the Tumblr blog happened. Um, I remember on the first date he was taking Instagrams and, and uh, was tweeting about the neighborhood. I was like, what is this weird dude doing? Why is this happening? Um, <laughs> Little did I know where we would go, hey? Um, and I think from the Tumblr blog, we then kind of, you know, got together. We tried to turn it into something that um, we felt appropriate. Yeah, for, a, for a while, we were like, well, let's make it about local things that we love. And then I think we just got carried away with like moving in together and doing all of that and just didn't really do anything with it. How long did, until you moved in together? Uh, pretty much day one. Like, but officially three months. Oh we, my God. From day one, we were like doing weekdays at Nico's in uh, like Bethnal Green, yeah. like Spitalfields kind of way. And then weekends would always be um, in London Fields. And our 
the place that we lived in there was literally behind the shop in Hackney. Okay, that is beautiful. Yeah, that which is pretty cool. So is that the way forward? Like when I meet someone, am I going to try to like move in with them right off the bat? Well, I think we did it. I mean, yes. Um, <laughs> I also think Please it's like someone a, move in with me. a great saver though. You save so much money. You and sound you can, like my brother. And you can turn that money into, you experience. know, experience. You can have great dates, yeah. I know. It was just, no, it, you know what? It was just, I think... It wasn't planned. And then after the three months, Nico, I think you needed to move or renew the lease. And the same was happening with me. And I, the place I lived in, in London Fields, which we then lived in together, was like a loft. And the two guys we lived with or I lived with would work from home, so be out every evening. So it basically felt like I had the place to myself. Right. And then we were just like, this is mad because we're both spending quite a lot on rent. And actually and together we're together all the time. All the time. And my... Um, flatmates had no issue with someone moving in because we never crossed paths anyway so it became like quite an easy yeah it became quite an easy thing yeah yeah and it but it was it worked I guess we were we went into it with the mindset of if we don't like living together we can just both find other places right um it's a very pragmatic it is yeah but back to Elavist. Yes. Oh, Sorry, yeah, guys. Yeah. I always get off topic when it comes to love. But they say you should <laughs> I never. <laughs> I like. I love talking about love. They they say you shouldn't work with someone you love. So they do. Who says that? Everyone says that. Hmm. Shouldn't work with family. Shouldn't work with partners because hmm. it gets messy. No, I think you shouldn't work with friends. I think that's where it gets messy. Got it. I think from experience. Um, it, it either works or it doesn't when you're a couple. And I think um, that's probably the same for family. Yeah. Um, but I would say as a couple, it's probably the easiest partnership to start a business together because right. ultimately your goal is probably the same. You're both on the same yeah. side. Whereas even if you're siblings, you know, one of you will meet someone. Yeah. And, and, and the same with friends, you know, friends when they start businesses and we've seen a lot of them through the market years, they want to do the same thing and then one of them gets a promotion mm -hmm. or... And a baby. Yeah, a baby, and then it just kind of tears it apart. So I think as a couple, it's quite easy so long as you can work together. Right. And we've had to, like, yeah, we're Leo feel our ways so it that. works. Yeah. I'm a Leo. Oh, the best. Oh, it's the best. <laughs> Obviously, we would say that. I'll let you believe that. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, yeah, that's actually a really good point. I've made a personal goal to no longer work with friends because even though you go into it every time thinking this won't happen again with this person, of course it does. I think one a really good advice my godmother gave me um, was that the minute there is a, a transaction at the end of a job, a month, you can't claim it as a friendship or it, it kind of, it has an effect on the friendship itself. So she was like, never ever do it. And don't ever pretend you're working with a friend when you actually have to pay for a service right. or you expect payment. If you're friends and you want to do something good for another, you do that. But the minute you have to right. exchange money and whatever, she was like, uh -uh, yeah, stay I away. mean, even like so I have an assistant. Her name is Anna. She's not here today. Um, but I, I was like, I, I really want to go like do something. And then I was like, I can bring a friend. And then I was like, well. How sad is it that like one of my best friends is my assistant that I pay every month? Like that's literally like one of my best friends. But you can become friends. You can you can start off as work colleagues and become friends. For yeah, sure, that's a different that. thing. I agree with that. Although I find that it's probably I, I find that very challenging. I think that's been the hardest part of this business is that as it's grown. I think sometimes people, as much as we would like everyone to be our best friend, it, it, it's starting to feel more like a company right. in the last six months. And I think because we've both transitioned and gone from having this as our side hustle and hobby to being in it day to day, it's, be, it, it's been... I think, yeah, I don't I think, know yeah, I think what we've really struggled with is because this business never started off to be one right we we were it was a hobby we were at a market stall we used it as paul said to find our way into this east london community that we you clearly love as well um and then we found our way into it we kind of made friends um and then suddenly we got an appetite and we saw the opportunity that you know something that you produce in your kitchen ended up having 25 stockists within its first six months we were like what 
what do you mean? Selfridge just wants to work with me. We're like, okay, let's uh, let's uh, see where we can take it. Um, and to take it further, we needed support, right? So we would bring the first person in, the second, third, da 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 da. We're now a team of eighteen, um, and I think that's where it becomes tricky. Um, you know, a business that again started off as a ho- hobby, very human centric business as well. It's all about the individual. It's all about a dialogue. It's all about you know what, what your personality really. And then to bring all of those people together and have like a fine line between. I really want you in my team because I like you as a person and you're also good. But at what point do you kind of have that separation between friendship and I like you as a person, but you also screwed up over here? Right. That becomes tricky. I mean, it's very hard. Yeah. Even I, you know, I only have one person working with me and I have to say she doesn't screw up often. She's really good. But it's neither do ours, by the way. We've (laughs) got a really good team and like. I would always say that to anybody who asks. I think it's more the challenge around that. Yes. That mindset. But look, everyone screws up. I screw up sure. all the time. Yeah. Like so often it's actually becoming a problem. <laughs> but you know, it's like, you know, everybody needs to have a discussion sometimes and it's true. It's like having that separation. It's one of the hardest things about working mm. for yourself or working yeah. for your own company. It's really tough and I'm the same. It's like I want everyone to love me. Yeah. Yeah, and I want to be friends with everyone yeah. and like best friends for life and all of that. <laughs> and like but it becomes quite tricky where do you to just remove your personality from yeah. the subject matter. Um cuz it's so opposite to really what you're doing as the brand. Mm-hmm. So yeah. let's just back up. You've got 18 employees and you're still running the candle workshops like I honestly. Love, I love them though. I, I love, that's what I'm, I yeah. love that you do that. I love I love meeting people. I love like hearing the questions, hearing comments. Um, what I'd, I'll tell you what, like, because in, in, in our beginners classes, we always ask about favorite scents. Um, and we've been doing that for the last three and a half, four years now. Yeah. Um, and four years ago, people would freak. They, they would go like, oh my, what do you mean my favorite scent? I, I don't think my nose works. Um, and these <laughs> days, everybody's like, I think I like sandalwood and patchouli and Betsy Bear. And everybody is so refined yeah. with their answers. It's so nice to see that suddenly people feel more confident talking about saying because that was one of you know one of our big things to overcome and also communicate yeah and I think it's our passion like we really love it I never thought I would have a career in retail for example and retail is such a big part of our business now so on a weekend Nico is like in the workshops teaching them and I love being in the store in Cold Drop Shard and I love meeting customers and speaking to them and and the whole vibe of it so I think we and now that we've both left our jobs, we've both said weekends are like our days. They're the days where we most of the time work separately, but also where we're definitely in the business because it's fun. Yeah. And like, I want that to exist for as long as possible. What store in Coldrop's yard? Oh, yeah. So we have our store. <laughs> our store in Coldrop's yard is... Um, have you been, you've been? I've been to Cold Drops Yard, yeah. but but so that was when it first opened. Yeah, so we opened then. Where is it? Yeah, so we're upstairs on the viaduct level next door to Cos. It's actually quite oh a my, big Oh my, what space. a location. Yeah, it's, it's, um, it was a massive risk last year oh, when we yeah. opened that. But I think it's been, it's changed our business without a doubt. Like it's really, and that's why the team's so big. So Got it. Um, it's long hours there. It's 10 to late, six days a week. So we've got quite a strong retail team and a growing e-coms team. And it's been amazing to be part of that because I think we went from being, and the, the, I'm not taking away from Hackney because I think Hackney is so special. That building is like gold. Um, and, you know, Anna's in there as yeah. well. And I think both of us took a leap of faith as businesses to open there. And it's the loveliest space. And I think... Anna's studio is probably too small for her now. I our, know. Our space is definitely too small for us, but I think we're both as businesses and as people that have known each other since the market days, really like grateful for finding that space. But um, yeah, Cold Drops was like all of our cards on. on oh yeah, it's a level up for thing. sure. Yeah, oh, but it's, yeah. you know, like being all of a sudden around brands like um, Tom Dixon and Paul Smith and Miller Harris and Aesop, like that changed, uh, made us become a lot more serious about the business, but also meant that we kind of in a way were forced to make changes to yeah. all of a sudden step up and be 
a much more serious business. Yeah, it's not like you weren't a business before, but even yeah. just like, I don't know how I didn't know you had a store there, but even just having a store there, it just, just it, it's more serious, it feels yeah. like, you mm -hmm. know. I think what we noticed at the beginning, because all of those things, right, you're very unaware of when you when you just do your thing. Um, I think the beauty of Hackney is the fact that it's on a back street, it's us, we're, we're by ourselves. If we, you know, over the summer, usually we would shut for an entire week and everybody goes on a break. Suddenly when you're part of a collective, which you are at Cold Drops Yard, technically speaking, you can't do that. They tell you when you shut and when you open. Oh my God, um, I don't know if I, I, I don't yeah. like that. And it's um, two days a year, by the way. So it's <laughs> Easter Sunday and Christmas Day. Shut two days. up. Well, it's just, you know, they're it's, trying to yeah. create a shopping destination. Of course, and it's a great one. It's yeah. beautiful. We love being there. Um, but I think opening up next to those established businesses, um, it's more about how people experience you. So when you come out of your way to Hackney, if things are hand-priced, you'll be you like, yeah, of course. You kind of expect it, yeah. almost, yeah. And what, you don't have that in stock and you'll have to check? Of course. You don't <laughs> check on your screen, you'll have to check in your, in your cupboards. Room, yeah. yeah. Um, Which is a cupboard. Like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Rather than in uh, Coltrop's Yard, when you come out of cars and then come straight into us and you're like, what do you mean these guys have handwritten price tags? That's why really we had to change, which was a good thing because that's how we've changed anything in this business along the way. We didn't have a website. People asked us for one, so we created one and so on. So it's been a, a very organic growth, um, although a very um, intense month the last yeah. year. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah, it has. Let's, okay, we're all over the place and that's uh, yeah, my yeah. fault, but let's go back to where we left off in the story. The love story now? No. <laughs> <laughs> well, we can. No, the, the real business story. So, okay, you were taking Instagrams. You didn't know what was going on. And then what, you just were sitting around having dinner one day Ooh. being like, we Why love candles? We? Yeah, no, I think we, so we were kind of every weekend going to every market, every new opening. Every time we'd go to a coffee shop, I'd be like, oh, I'd love to like be a barista and have a coffee shop one day. Or we'd go, yeah, that's, that was kind of like the mentality. And we would walk around and see a building and be like, one day that'll be our building. And we'll do like this coffee shop, like retail store. Cause you know, we were, we've got friends in LA, so we would spend time there. And every time we go to the stores there, I'd be like, these stores are incredible. And there's no one doing it in the same way. Yes. There's no one doing this like mixed concept retail space. General stores yeah. were just like not a thing here. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so we were, we kind of would talk about it a lot and then go to the markets. And then one day we walked, we lived in Victoria Park Village at this point. We walked through the, the village. A lady was having a sale at her front gate. And so we bought a load of stuff that interestingly, my grandparents used to have and when my grandparents uh, uh, passed away like I didn't end up getting really any of those to me treasures but I guess to my family they were just like you know plastic egg cups but to me they were like things I really wanted it's funny the things that yeah. become special to you especially when you're growing up and they're like these little tiny things exactly yeah. other people are like this is rubbish but actually yeah. to you it's like that little sewing box that I yeah. wanted so bad and um, also we were like um, my grandparents had 14 grandchildren so there was those treasures and a lot of them were kind of you know, loved by all of us. I managed to get my hands on the most amazing biscuit tin, which now oh. holds Nespresso pods. <laughs> but anyway, the rest of the stuff, this lady just happened to have. And so I kind of bought a lot of those things. Fast forward a few months, we went to Nettle Market and she was trading there. And so we had a conversation with her and she told us it was really easy. And she gave us like to get a stall there as a trial because they didn't make you commit to a year and you could pick and choose when you did it. And so we took Sarah's email and emailed her and said, we would love to do like a lifestyle store on a tabletop, thinking she would come back with loads of questions about what products. And she didn't. She said, yeah, I'm keen. And so what do you mean? It. We had to fill out a whole form. No, but it wasn't like one form. Yeah, it wasn't like but we had to fill it out. But and we like, didn't have like images no, of products we, we were going to sell. No, you probably no. didn't create like a, you know, a 20 PowerPoint. page PowerPoint yeah. or something. <laughs> yeah. And so a we, yeah, meeting. and so we, <laughs> yeah. we booked it. And at this point, my dad was really sick. And I think Nico, the same as he said, you know, I moved to London. I didn't have an end date. He was like, there's energy here. Let's turn it into something positive. And so we booked this market stall and, and actually 
God, it, this is like a out, outpour. Oh, um, I love it. But um, yeah, actually at that point, my dad did pass away in that period between booking the stall and actually doing it. Wow. And it was a really, it was interesting because we would like, yeah, had this other focus, which I think was really important at that time. Um, and then, yeah, we did this first market stall. And I guess because we were both in media and advertising, the minute we booked it, we were like, it has to have a name. And because we had some kind of tiny miniature cloud, we were like, well, that'll do. Earl of East makes sense. It's in East London. And then we did the first market stall and spent probably the week before turning our kitchen table into like different scenarios and setups of how it would look. So I think we got there and... Um, Oh, I wish we could just yeah. go back in time through like a looking glass <laughs> and see you guys organizing that on your kitchen table. It was so much fun. Yeah. yeah. And I think, yeah, we got there and probably looked really organized and had little aprons. And and um, the one of our first customers is now someone who's a friend. So um, Adam Reed, he he is a, a hairstylist, but quite a well-known one. And, and like, yeah, he's become a friend over the years. And he came and was just like, I love everything. I'm pretty much bought the whole table what and so that moment had that not happened I don't know how many more times we would have booked it but we were like this is really cool like obviously it's people so respond to it <laughs> and so before we knew it we spoke to Sarah and said we want to book like the next four weeks and booked in a series of dates and it just became an obsession um and we fell in love with it and I think there was a real sense of all of a sudden not being on the periphery looking in at this creative community but in some way being part of it however during that first six months I think what we felt was a disconnect is that we were bringing a lot of um, independent US goods over so um, like great brands as well like brands like PF Candle Co which I think most people know nowadays yeah, but they didn't yeah they but definitely they didn't, didn't then and we were their only stockist in Europe I think so it meant, your market stall yeah. was the only stockist yeah, yeah. that's so, pretty cool yeah so we were like their first stockist and all of a sudden they started to explode but obviously they spoke about us even though we were a market stall because it was in London yeah and and and, and that worked with a, a quite a few brands um midnight collective from I think Seattle from, uh, yeah so there was quite a few and and it was nice but I think there was a bit of a disconnect for us in that someone would go to Anna's stall and buy a vase or they would buy jewelry from like we are arrow and I think when they would come to us they would buy a candle but not necessarily even question whether or not it was ours and we would tell the story of the brands and how we discovered them through travel but we felt like we still weren't making something mm -hmm. and so for that reason we were like this is a product we love. This is a product we're becoming known for. Let's try and do it ourselves. Right. And, and that was the starting point. And then Sarah. So Sarah's really interesting. We speak about her a lot in podcasts, weirdly, or in <laughs> Just in life, really. <laughs> Sarah now works with us officially three days a week. Um, she does a lot of our photography. She's done all kinds of things with us over the years, but she was the market manager. And then um, again, like had she not accepted, we probably wouldn't have done a market. And I think we would have done something else at some point. But she's been there from the very beginning. Right. And um, now works with us in the team and is great and helps to determine our visual ID. Um, but I think I totally lost my train of thought. No, I? no, you were saying we're going to do it ourselves. Oh, yeah, yeah, yes. Yeah. Oh, and yeah. I think so, Sarah, basically, this is what happened. So they were turning all of the, the periphery of the car park into shacks and sheds, and they decided as the market to invest in shipping containers and to divide them up. And there was one space in the very damp corner of the market that had never had anything in it other than like piles of old bike frames and she was like this container here would you be interested in it and you could make candles there and so we naively were like yeah of course we'll take it and then they built the staircase to the upper level in front of our shop <laughs> oh, God. but we, we we got a good deal and like Sarah was using it during the week as desk space so she was in the market not in Nettle House and it just like I think all of those pointers like that was such a big deal at the po at that mm. point it was like should, this is going to be good because we won't have to transport suitcases on a bus back and forward but also it meant that we had this physical space and I think that space weirdly then became a bit like Net, um, Hackney did after it was in the dark corner you didn't just walk past it you had to seek it out 
and we painted it black inside and filled it with like plants and greenery and vintage and candles and I think it became like this little spot for people that was so hidden that they loved it and I think Hackney was exactly the same right I mean everybody likes to feel like they've discovered something yeah, yeah. 100% and I think that was something we recognized early on I think we 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 had quite an advantage from the fact that we never ever worked in retail seriously so I had no idea about retail I, f I feel like most of the time I still don't I'm like hey Paul how do we do this <laughs> um but I think because of that what uh, all we had was um what we enjoyed what drew us in what we had seen elsewhere and basically we we kind of mapped it out based on everything we like everything um you know that we enjoy doing and presented it and turned it into our first little shipping container um and then how much longer later did we open up hackney selling a little or a lot Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Was it? Uh, a, a, bit af a bit after, so maybe like another year and a half. Um, we got a bit distracted doing oh, something yeah. with a friend who no longer really friends with but we were like we'll start to we'll we decided to try and do this other thing and then it's cool we basically were like hold on we, we the business we love that we just have together we've now put on a total back burner and we've yeah. got this container and and Megan who still works with us kind of works in there um on a Saturday and we're not enjoying that anymore because And we're also not enjoying this other thing. And so we then refocused. I think because the friendship turned sour, we refocused on the business and went hell for leather to make sure it was really successful. Right. Uh, which was a good thing. Yes. So, so yeah. thanks for that. Um, <laughs> oh, my. <laughs> but yeah, but yeah, kind of. Um, it was a really good learning curve for us. We learned a lot during that period. And I think um, I'm sure they did too as well, because I think we went into it quite like blissfully like yeah oh, this is going to be great and I don't think it was for either any of, any of yeah so okay you've decided you're going to make candles how hard could it possibly be to make a candle one mm -hmm. would say mm -hmm. well I've done the workshop and it's hard I mean it's not hard in the workshop because you literally measure everything out but I from know. what you were describing it, the measurements and you know I mean, you have to learn so many things, yeah. right? Like you can you can try to make them, and it's a very straightforward process. But there's so many things that can go wrong, and I think for us at the beginning, everything that could go wrong went wrong, which was great because the whole point was for us to learn and you know find out what this craft um, was that we could own. So we invested in you know a, 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 all the different oils, essential oils, botanical oils, did perfume classes, um, would come back every evening after work and start cooking up candles. <laughs> um, and also I think it was a really nice way for us to get to know each other even better. Um, what I mean by that is, you know, when you have like those silly memories that, that just pop up when you smell something, which is quite insignificant for the m most time but you smell and you're like oh my god this reminds me of this silly thing that we did when we were children and I think working together with fragrance and with scents and working on candles we had all of those moments so we would smell something and be like oh my god this is that and then you would share it with Paul or the the other way around and that's how we kind of figured out the way to work with oils um but then what we really wanted to to focus on was um what was our 
I guess our hook, what was our our story? Why would we create sense? What what do we want to say through sense? Um, and we kind of decided that, you know, we had already the traveler's inspiration, all the products that we were selling. We had gathered and found on our travels, if that was Germany or the US or elsewhere. So we wanted to recreate scents that, that were pretty much inspired by places we had visited. Mm -hmm. um, so the first one was Big Ben, California. We had just come back from a creative camp over there. Um, so we wanted to create a scent that would forever remind us of that time, of the friendships we made over there. The other one was one inspired by my grandparents. And then the, the third one was inspired by Paul's grandparents. So the first three were very very personal not that the the ones to follow weren't but the first three were very um very yeah. nice to to create yeah well when we did the candle workshop i think one thing that i loved so much was the way you spoke about scent and fragrance and just the sense of smell i think exactly what you said earlier a lot of people are like my nose doesn't work mm -hmm. because it's one of those scents or it's one of those senses sorry that you don't even think about mm -hmm. it's just there you're just smelling stuff all the time and you're not really smelling anything though you know mm -hmm. so i think when you do something like the candle workshop and you're you have to focus on something like part of the workshop is you pass something around and you have to see, you know what what do you think this is what oil do you think this is and i i couldn't do it i had no mm -hmm. freaking idea what mm -hmm. half those things were but it's like focusing on it that's so rare that we actually do that in our daily lives and it's weird because it's such a huge part of our lives yeah i think our whole approach to scent as well comes back to exactly what you've said we're given the language to talk about food from a really early age you like it you don't you're you're allowed to have an opinion your parents allow you to have an opinion with food but you don't do that with scent in the same way and so then you've got the perfume industry which has taught us that only noses can create scent or talk about scent or have the language to talk about it and actually like it's democratic like everyone can speak about it we've all got a nose there's very few people who actually can't smell things yeah. and and you know and and I, I just think like for us we wanted to break that down I don't think we came at it from like a we wanted to develop our own sense that was number one so we we didn't just want to buy a, an oil off a shelf and use that we buy a whole range of fragrance and essential oils but even when we have a fragrance oil that's already many notes we'll blend it with something else to make sure that that scent is unique to us and can't just be easily replicated but we wanted to make sure that we would share that with other people and get people to think about scent and also get people to talk about it because mm -hmm. why sh why shouldn't they be able to and i think up until maybe 10 years ago you would only really speak about your favorite perfumers like chanel number no. five or or whatever it is and now people are like well my favorite scents are x y and z yes and 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 less speak of or less conversation around gender in fragrance which is crazy absolutely like nico says a lot it's like saying carbonara is for men and like <laughs> oh it's bringing know, it back yeah. to food like bolognese is for women it's, cra it's crazy it like, is crazy yeah of course of course you can like wood smoke and i can really like jasmine that's yeah. fine too like but i think that whole perfume industry is going through a major change and i think candles in a weird way have been part of that because yeah. candles are much more accessible for people and i think both as the creator of a candle brand, but also as the consumer of many, many candles, it's a way for you to experience scent in a different way, not just on your body, but actually in your environment. Mm -hmm. Does it really make a difference if you're gonna buy a candle that's like, I don't know, how much candles are these days, 25, 30 pounds or something, which is a lot of money, you know? Yeah. Is it? Does it really make a difference to how you act in your own environment? I think it's a sense and we speak about that a lot at the moment. It's a sense of ritual for people. So for me and for us, I think always since living together, candles were a way to make the house a home. Yes. And and there's a ritualistic thing in kind of lighting anything, whether it's candles or incense or whether it's using like the sleep spray we use at home. I think there's a there is something in that. And obviously with aromatherapy, uh, aromatherapy, we know that certain notes do certain things. But I think even outside of that, our inspiration being travel, there are people who buy our candles who say, I take it with me everywhere. So it always smells like home. Oh, that's actually really nice. And so I think, yeah, I think there's a, there is a real thing in that. Yeah. In the same way that there's something about wearing 
perfume or makeup that makes you feel a certain way yes well it's true it's like if it applies to perfume why isn't it mm -hmm. you know being applied yeah. to your home and your environment going back to the perfume thing which was a really interesting point there's a place in paris i think it's called nose i don't know if you've heard of it yeah you know the place yeah, yeah. It's so cool because you basically go there and they don't tell you any brand names or anything and they just say, you know, you do a little quiz or something and you say, I like vanilla, I like this, I like that. And they give you a selection of like five fragrances, you smell them, but there's no branding, there's no brand names. You say, oh, I like this one, but maybe a little more like this. And they, anyway, you smell a bunch of perfumes and at the end of it, you choose your favorite one and they show you the bottle. And it's always something that like, I know I would never pick off the shelf. You know, I've bought so many perfumes that, are, that have become my favorite perfumes. Mm -hmm. yeah. So I think that's another really cool way that people are starting to think about fragrance and, you know, obviously coming from advertising, like it's so much advertising and branding and, you know, I'm guilty of it. That's literally my job to like talk about products, but actually finding those products and those scents that you really connect with. And I think that's what you guys are doing so well. Thank you. Thank you. I mean, that brand and launching a brand is all about storytelling, right? It is. That, that, that's the crux of it. And regardless of what size of a brand you are, I think it's finding your own hook. Are you just really good at advertising and, and PR or do you guys really love what you do? No, we I really love it. it. I'm just I kidding. I know. Yeah, and do. it's... Uh, Granted, I wish I was. No, granted, <laughs> I'm, I'll be honest, there's a lot of car conversations that we've said we should turn into like a podcast, but just be like discreet about who we are, <laughs> where it's like, why are we doing this? What are we doing this for? But we love it. Yeah. Like um, the travel thing has been so interesting because we, we did a pop-up in Japan earlier this year. Cool. We've just been in Zurich doing workshops there. And in a weird way, travel being the inspiration, the business is now an, an enabler for us to do more traveling, but in a really different way. Mm -hmm. Because when we do workshops or a pop-up in Japan, we go into somebody else's space, into their workspace or their store or their home, and we do workshops there and meet people there. Like Japan, it felt like we lived there. We mm -hmm. were walking down the street being like, hey, how, how are you doing? Because <laughs> loads of people were coming to the workshops and then they'd invite us for coffee. and. And it's it's made that traveling experience so beautiful, so yeah. amazing. Yeah, it's like it, it's almost you take the whole essence and the core of the business or the reason why you started the business in London and you plug it into a new culture and a new neighborhood in a, in a foreign city and country and you just experience the same over again, which is so amazing. If you, I had never been to, it was my first stop in Asia. I've never been to Asia before and we went to Japan. And like to be able to experience their culture and ask really, because I'm, you know, I grew up in Germany. My questions are very straight to the point. I wanted to know how these people live, what their connection is to their family. I was like, tell me, talk to me. And what about this? And what about that? And people were open about it. And they, they would show us their homes and their stores and their everything. That It was just the nicest thing. And same with Zurich just a couple of days ago. Yeah. It's so wonderful. That really is really that. cool. I feel like I'm a lot like you where it's like, I don't know, let's cut the bullshit. Like, tell me your life story. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I really love that. Well, for the, the people who haven't been to your, I don't even want to call it a store in Hackney, but it's like a little home. You know, it's a little tiny little well it's not even that tiny it's a, it's space. like it's a little space it's a little space um i really want to talk about your logo and the relationship to the the space we when we obviously started the market stall um and then we were like we need a logo and so we worked with um a girl called amelie who created the original version of the tp with us and um so our logo is a tp with a house in the middle uh, essentially but we were like, it's Earl of East, so it needs to look almost like royal in some way or like, you know, we need to have, I think from the word go, the one thing we said is we need to have a recognizable logo outside of our font. We were like, oh yeah, look at Nike and Coca-Cola. Yeah, and we were like, and we were like, <laughs> but that's really, but we were like, that's really difficult for people to do, but we need to do it. Um, and so we worked with her and we would, uh, we still have the notebook with all mm -hmm. of our original drawings in. And originally, because we were going to the US a lot and we were inspired by travel, there was this like American iconography, but it started as two E's. So one E, like a capital E and the other one facing backwards. So it kind of looked like a TP with the, a bit more traditional as a TP. And then 
there was loads of iterations of it and eventually it became there was like a flame in the middle there was all kinds of things <laughs> and eventually it just became this teepee with a house in the middle and weirdly it seems to really have resonated with people and I think that's cool because that's what we wanted it to do and like you know in the store in Coldrop Shard there's a, a wall that divides with just the teepee by itself and when we first opened people would come in and be like oh, you're the guys from East London and at that point our shop wasn't called Earl of East we rebranded it this summer so it was called something totally different that was the only reference to Earl other than the product um, so that was like really awesome and, and cool and I, I'm going around the houses Sorry. Oh, the house. <laughs> but the house in the middle um, basically is the reason why we went to view the building in Hackney. Um, so the um, I am always like five steps ahead in, in a lot of ways. And then Nico, we work well together because I'll be like, have this big vision. What was and the then, Leo dream, yeah. right? They just think about, oh, this is what I can do next and next and next. <laughs> I identify so yeah. much with this. I'm already like three years down the line, but like yeah. haven't actually started anything tangible. Yeah, that's it. But Nico then will take that and make it happen. And so um, I would be like spending all my time on like Stretton's, which is like a commercial property site or right move looking at commercial space and one day this building popped up which is the building in Hackney and I was like this building is amazing and we have to go and see it and Nico was like it's far too expensive we're not going to see it but then I just booked in an appointment with the um like the letting agent and we went and then realized that we actually used to live literally right behind it um because it's on a street you would never pass by no, so even yeah. though we had the address i didn't really realize where it was until we got there and then we walked in and the estate agent was from my hometown and no one leaves darlington really <laughs> um it, it's a it's, it's got this weird pull and then he was like yeah it's really interesting because the guy doesn't want it to be desk space and he was like we could have like let it out time and time again but he wants it to be something where things are made wow yeah so then we said well, this is what we want to do and he was like that's amazing then i had to go and have like a a dinner meeting with the landlord oh my god like an audition and i love that yeah, but it made us really want it then because it was like yeah. this is important and then we yeah we were like we can't afford it we can't make it work but a couple of weeks before we'd been to anna's um annual sample sale in so you her. just knew Anna yeah yeah so we we knew her because of Nettle Market oh right and so we'd um we went to her annual sample sale and we'd had this really nice conversation where we were both like our studios are too small um they're not really working and she was like we were like our dream would be to have a shop which is also a studio but it's pretty impossible to get because if you get a, a lease that's a one having it as a studio doesn't work and vice versa and she said the same and so we went to this building loved it but couldn't afford it and then we were like actually Anna, Anna might be interested in this and then spoke to Anna sent her pictures because she was away I think she was in like Mexico or somewhere. she's always doing something yeah, yeah and we sent her pictures and she was like I'm really interested in it got back and she was like I really want to take it I just have this feeling it's the right space but I need three-phase electricity and all these things. And then we're, we're like, back. we need to take it now. Yeah. We can't yeah. wait for you to check yeah. this. Check all the electricity yeah. for we have your to bloody take it. kilns. Yeah, yeah. And then we went back to the <laughs> landlord and he was like, I don't know. And then we, but he is the energy supplier. And they were like, we can't speak to you until you have the lease. Oh my God. And also frustrating. Yeah. Like, I know. Just tell me. And yeah. so we were, does it have yeah. it And not? so in the end, we were like, let's just take it. And if Anna can move in, great. And if not, we're just going to have Figure a, it out. a space that we can't do anything to for a while, but it'll be fine. Yeah. And um, yeah, and it's, I don't know, it's just such I a, mean, you've yeah. been to both yes. studios, which a lot of people haven't. It's the most amazing building. It has such a good energy, I find. Like I remember walking through the door and it felt like so good. It felt like so productive in there because it used to be an old woodworking space. Um, that's why the landlord wanted to bring manufacturing back into it. Because um, I was the one who was like, no, nah, we're not taking this. It's too expensive. See you later. And then Paul obviously convinced me with the shape. He was like, look at the logo. Look it's at the sign. building. It's a sign. That is a sign. I think, yeah. I think so too. Yeah. I think so too. And then I did it again with cold drops a year later. <laughs> Hell yeah. I was like, I've, I'm going to go and see a space. And he was like, we're not taking a space there. We've You're just like, got Hackney oh, working. We, are. we don't have to be in every weekend. And then I went there and they, they, like had, they had this huge, like the size of this room, like a, a 3D model of, of Coldrops or the whole of King's Cross. And um, 
Craig, who was kind of the lead person behind the development in terms of the agents, was like showing us with like this ruler what, what everything was going to be and how many thousands of people were going to pass. And I was like, we are taking the space. <laughs> and yeah, and then we did that and that was cool too. <laughs> that is really cool. But that was like sleepless nights. Oh, I bet. Yeah. Whereas Hackney wasn't. Hackney was still like a bit organic Charming. yeah yeah the cold drops one we took the lease signed the lease and then i was like what have we done because we were on such a shoestring budget to make it happen and and kind of ran out of money at two weeks before it opened and didn't really think about anything beyond it opening and then we were like if it doesn't work we that's the end of this and yeah yeah that was that was stress in a different way and um, but it was yeah it was good too well, it all sounds like a beautiful success story. Uh, Your faces. Still, still in the making. Yeah. Still in the yeah, making, working uh, hard on it. Well, that's something important to bring up. It's like from the outside, I'm like, you guys are nailing it. Like this is, it's done, you know? But obviously you guys are still hustling, working hard, and like the hustle doesn't stop. No, it really doesn't. And I think if you don't enjoy the hustle, you won't ever enjoy running your own business. Yes. Um, I think that's what I, I strive of it. I strive of stress and having to do so many different yeah. things and still being like, oh, hey, how are you doing? <laughs> so polite and welcoming because I love it. I just love it. If you didn't love it, you would not be there on your Saturday mornings I doing agree. those candle work. Like that yeah. is proof is in the pudding, right? You just wouldn't be doing it. Yeah. Yeah. True. Yeah. You have to thrive on that kind of thing, yes. I think. I mean, That's thrive, not strive. But thrive. I think, I think, thrive and strive, they both I think work. They both work, yeah. Thriving and oh. striving over here. <laughs> um, but yeah, a lot of people say the same thing to me, like with my, my job and stuff. And they're like, you've, you've already done it. Like, you, you're successful. And I'm like, what are you talking about? Like, I, I'm doing well, but like every day I'm doing mm -hmm. it again and again mm -hmm. and again. Otherwise, I wouldn't be here. Mm -hmm. It's like the work is every single day, mm -hmm. but it, you know. If you love what you do and all that, yeah. you wouldn't, don't work it's a day good, in your yeah. life. I think also your goalposts move, right? Of course. And so like with everything that goes well, you kind of, if you're the kind of person who wants to work for themselves, then you're like, well, how far can I push it? Yeah. How far can I take it? And I think there's also the, the, the little stress thing that goes on underneath, which is like, well, I've got to keep going because I need to yeah. make, this is my like life's work now. If I wasn't stressed, I definitely would not be working uh, hard enough, yeah. but that's probably unhealthy. It that's is yeah. unhealthy. It is unhealthy and we need to get out of it somehow. But not but yet. No. <laughs> so I've got two more questions for you. We have not spoken about the incense. So do you make your own incense as well? Because I did go to a store in East London a couple weeks ago, which I can't remember the name of. And he, the guy was just working at the shop and it's not his brand, but he was saying he's learning to make his own incense. And I was talking to him for like 45 minutes and I'm sure his boss was like, just move along, <laughs> just lady. Just make the sale. Yeah, <laughs> close the sale. Um, but it was interesting for me to learn how to make incense and I don't think it's that easy. Yeah, so we, the sticks we have, we dip, which is easier. The copal we do not make. And mm. we import the copal and we import the sage. But that is something that I would really learn, love to learn how to make. Yes. I'm, I'm fascinated by it. And I think scent generally has become, it's not all we want to be, by the way. So like there's the retail side of our business now. And I think when we think about new products, whilst most of them have had a scent angle, actually some of what we speak about now for the future has got no relationship to scent mm -hmm. or fragrance whatsoever. Not because we don't love it, but because we want to try and build like a, we want it to be fun. So we always try and talk about ourselves as a creative business. And then people are like, well, what does that really mean? And we're like, well, we just want whatever it to you be want it whatever to mean. you want it to That's the beauty of it. Yeah, we don't, we don't want to be defined by like just one thing. Yeah. Um, but I think, yeah, like I'm really into incense. So, okay, I'm really into incense too. Yeah. I have a huge drawer of incense, I'm obsessed, but I didn't even look at you guys as a scent brand, but you obviously are. But because I've been into the shop, it's all sorts of stuff. Mm -hmm. And then when I was looking at, you know, the questions I should ask you today, which I didn't ask any of them, which is why I don't even know why I bother <laughs> making a list of questions. Um, it's like it all, all, it all came back to scent. And I was like, but it's, it's not, but it is. Yeah. It's a part of it. Yeah. When you see yourself in the future, do you see yourselves manufacturing your own products or do you want to go back to sort of that idea of, of 
and what you do in your in your shop in Hackney of having other brands in there. Um, we will always make, I think, you know, I say that now and then you never know, but I think we will always make our own home fragrance. Yes. And I think we have ambitions to create like wearable scent and things like that. And I think that side of it we will always do. I think it gives you a much deeper understanding of being a brand when you physically do it yourself yes. when you put in the, the the you know the sweat and 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 I think that's really important and we have a production team and they're so integral to everything we make and I, and I don't want to change that and we've thought before because you know you get to a certain point where you're like does outsourcing make more sense now yeah um and and personally I want to spend much more of my time next year just on e-commerce and how we grow that but I think that doesn't mean that I want to stop manufacturing. And I, and I think that that's really important. And I think the workshops are really important and wouldn't maybe make as much sense if we weren't also making the candles mm. ourselves. I, th- I think also, you know, owning the production um, of, of our scented goods also allows us to create all of those custom scents that we do. We just collaborated with Anna Jones. Cool. On and we, ju- we did Mulberry's Christmas candles. You did? Year. We mm. did, yeah. Is he, is, do, do people know that? Um, we have I this mean, weird, we, yeah. We have this weird it. thing where we I don't think really talk about the, the biggest, some earth? of the biggest stuff we do. We just kind of like shy away from. But yeah, we created Mulberry's Christmas scent this well, year. Well, there is that sort of inner thinking that's like, if I tell everybody all the cool shit we're doing and big stuff, does it kind of take away from that homemade feel? Mm-hmm. I, I think it does, um, and we've. I don't want to say we're conscious of it, but whenever we do, like, um, for Christmas, for instance, there's so many markets, right, that you can do as a trader. Um, and we do obviously the ones that we really enjoy and and we know they're really good money makers, but we always also do the ones that we call the community markets, where it is basically not about how much money we make, it's more about having, some, having a Saturday with the friends that we made over the years. Yes. So I think it's about how you play it right and what your KPIs are with every project you work on um because at the end of the day the beauty is that it's your business it is yeah you decide but it is a business and i have the same thing Mm -hmm. you know it's like okay yeah i'm gonna take the money from whoever's paying me to mention their product if i like the product because then i can go on to do things like this podcast which makes me zero money (laughs) you know it's like i i need to make money so i can do the things that fulfill me um so I, I totally get that. And I hope that consumers understand that as well, which I actually do think a lot of them do. I think so. Yeah. I, yeah, I think we've been lucky with the collaborative projects we've worked on, like with both like bigger brands like Mulberry and also like like uh, people we've met along the way at the market. Yeah. And I think we've been lucky that there's this shared, um, there's like a synergy between us and in the most part, they've been pretty easy. Mm-hmm. And I think we've become much better at, not doing things if they don't make sense for us right. which i think is something you learn over time but i think um if we go back to like the manufacturing thing we've just launched hand wash and hand balm and you're literally going to be the first person to have it i can't wait um, shout out to the production team yeah because yes, the labels only team. arrived this morning and that is a product that if we're only going to sell it ourselves it's not going to be available wholesale until next year right and we want to just test that first and see what the demand is like. But if that grows, that is a product that I think we might have to outsource. Right. Just because of the machinery to make it at scale. And and we don't, we don't have space in Hackney yet. But what was really important for us was making sure we created the formulation and own that. Right. So we, I think, could get to a point where for other products, we will develop them and then outsource. But then don't you have to go through all this bloody mm-hmm. testing? Yeah, so and, we've done and all of that. What a nightmare. Yeah. I mean, look, it's for good reason, yeah. but it is a nightmare. Yeah. And it, what, what's the, the real nightmare about it is that once you got it approved by the EU to sell it in Japan, I have to go through their regulation. Oh, yeah, so yeah, I have yeah. to pay it all over again. And it's expensive. With, yeah. Yeah. It's super spammy. Um, that's why it took us five years to actually release um, you know products that you can apply onto yeah. your skin because we're like we we don't have the funds to do that right. we've been talking about hand wash and hand balm for the last 18 months and but we've taken our time over it with the, the guys in the production yeah. team and I think we've created something we're really happy with but yeah and then there's other things that I don't think we'll ever create so like if I was to make just to mention no, a few things we'll no, never but you know <laughs> if we were to like work on furniture I'm probably not going to produce it I might want to like design it 
Please um, design a chair. I'd love to design a chair. I can see it in your eyes. You want to design a chair. We've done leather goods recently. We've created these like cool pouches. We're working with, again, like a, a, a local an independent maker. local maker, all produced in Dalston. And that's actually been pretty fun. And it's like a limited edition thing. Cool. So the idea is just doing small batch things with people we like. I mm. love that your business is so collaborative. Mm. It's like, I think that's... I think I want to see more of that is what I'm trying to say. Okay, so look, I could talk to you guys all day, but I have one last question for you. Um, they say if your um, hobby becomes your job, you need a new hobby. So have you had a spare second to come up with a new hobby? Come on, please tell me yes. Karaoke. No way. Oh my God, I love karaoke. <laughs> I hate to admit it, but it is true. We just do YouTube karaoke at home. What's YouTube karaoke? Oh, that's what you we know, call it. I mean, like karaoke songs are all on YouTube. So we just sing them, you know, like a cappella against oh like the... Oh my God. It's, it's quite embarrassing. And it's our friends... So our friend recently had sent us a message to say she lives a few doors away to say that um, her boyfriend had left his key, uh, didn't have, had the key, she didn't have a key. She definitely had been to our front door because, and we were like belting out Celine Dion. (laughs) Not hitting those notes though. (laughs) Not hitting those notes. How Um, fun. But I would really like next year health and fitness to become a bit of a thing again. I would like that too. Karaoke is health, you guys. What's wrong with you? I, I think it's it good probably. For are you sober when you do this? Yeah, yeah completely. We very rarely drink. <laughs> it's we just really get in. We're like, shall we do karaoke? <laughs> and then we do karaoke. What a release! Yeah, it's amazing. And we know we've got Oscar the dog, and um, we know what songs he enjoys and what he doesn't enjoy. We're like, oh no, he didn't like that. <laughs> yeah. He didn't hit that note, Paul. Yeah, I think he likes the power ballads. That's really nice. Okay, well, that's given me some inspiration to slow down <laughs> on the wine. Uh, I've already committed to doing dry January. It is December 4th. Oh, wow. Uh, it's been a heavy week already. Oh and um, I mean, I didn't drink for eight or nine years. And yeah. uh, then life got a bit intense. And uh, I you love wine. You do what you got to do. <laughs> do what you got to do. Um, so where can people find you if they want to buy your beautiful candles, which burn beautifully because there's no paraffin in there, right? Yes, that's right. And um, so you can come to the, the space in Hackney if you're local or the one in Coldrops Yard. We've got a pop-up in Islington, which is running for now until the end of January. And then our website, earlofeast.com or any of our stockists. And we have lots of lovely stockists um, all over. Earl of East. Thank you so much for being on my podcast. Thank Thank you you so much. much.